about it Let's talk about it Gotta have respect and transparency So let's talk about it Let's talk about it Let's talk about it Go find your truth and prosperity So let's talk your girl Vicky J. Thanks for tuning back in with me today. Y'all, I got something special for you. We are doing religion and taboos part two. That's right. I have with me Mr. Nikolai Greaves, who holds many titles that include husband, father, and pastor. He also holds an MBA and an MDiv. You are the creator of the podcast entitled The Unpreached Truth, God and Money. Say hello to the people, Nikolai. Hey, hey, what's up? Hey, hey, hey. I am excited to have you back on for this part two. I got so much good feedback um, in regard to part one, religion and taboo. So we're just going to jump right into these questions because there's been a lot going on since we have last spoke. You ready? Yep, definitely. Thanks for having me. All right, you are welcome. So, the Rona. Is hmm. this a curse for our sins, or is this just a small version of the end times? Hmm. What say you, Pastor? Well, uh, let me first and foremost say that what I'm about to share are, are my views and not necessarily the views of the organizations I work for. Anyways, I want to put that disclaimer out there again. Um, I, I don't think... So I, so I think there's a challenge with looking at this pandemic as, you know, a curse from God or like the wrath of God. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's also a challenge by us acting like God can't do those things. Mm -hmm. Um, so here's what, what I would say. I, I thought it was very interesting that when the virus came out of the Wuhan district, that the, the first reportings that were coming out was this idea that, um, it was the idea that the virus has bat DNA in it. And one argument that somebody made is that somebody was butchering a bat because in that particular area of Wuhan, they were selling bats to eat and mm -hmm. they would sell different types of animals that are like rare to eat. Mm -hmm. uh, in Leviticus, one of the things that God said you don't mess with, especially eat, is a bat. Uh huh. And I thought that had, had very interesting implications, right? And so one could make the argument that um, because we violated a natural law that God said don't violate, here we are today. Um, on the other hand, if we look at it through, through only the lens of like, okay, this is what God is doing, then, then the question becomes, do we have any prophets who got up and said like the reason why? Mm. Right. And that's the other side of the coin that we have not yet figured out. Right. People can come up with a thousand and one reasons. And some of those people who got up to say those reasons, you know, ended up getting the virus themselves or, you know, they've been debunked. I, the best thing that I say is I don't know. I do. I, I don't know whether God actually initiated it or if God, I, I do think that for whatever reason, God allowed it to happen. And I do think that sometimes we undermined the power of choice that we have as human beings. Mm -hmm. We are made in the image and likeness of God. And sometimes we think that has to do with like whether or not we have a beard 
or whether or not we, you know, have certain personality types. Remember, the first thing in Genesis 1 and 2 that the first human beings were instructed to do was that they were made in the image of God, but they were supposed to take care of the earth. Right. They were responsible for creation, even though they were creation. The creator gave them responsibility to take care of creation. By the time you get further in Genesis, you realize that after sin, um, you have some of the first human beings who don't just live extraordinary long, like hundreds of years, but they are known for working metal, dealing with chemistry, dealing with all sorts of stuff that we, we kind of are stumbling on today. What, what I would simply say is we have no idea what human beings are really capable of. Mm -hmm. um, and so instead of, of blaming God or shifting our attention to God as the source of this issue, I think we have to look at ourselves. Okay. Ask the questions, why are we doing this? For what purpose are we doing this? If this, if this whole thing happened because it was done in a lab, why, why were we doing it in the lab? Who funded that? Mm. who's spending money right mm. um what are the reasons i mean we, we, we are the same human beings who dropped the atomic bomb mm. that's not god's fault that's us right god gave us the brain to understand how chemistry works and fusion and fission reactions mm -hmm. but but we clearly like to use them on other people rather than other purposes that might make sense mm. so so i don't think this is a curse of God. I do think God uses these moments to get our priorities straight. Uh -huh. uh, for whatever reason, we all realized how busy we were, mm -hmm. how fragile life is, how much time we have not been able to spend with our family. Right. And people began to, and probably how poor our health was, right? And so people are now paying more attention to those things. Mm -hmm. And um. And we, I think we also realize, at least in the Western world, particularly in America, um, how we don't really have a healthcare system. Right. We have a disease care system. Hmm. Mm. Healthcare would imply that we are spending money to make sure that people are exercising, eating the right foods, uh, that we're not having a whole bunch of sugar to compromise our immune system. Right. I think this has exposed us. COVID-19 has exposed us um, and exposed what we have been about and what our priorities are. And yet, I think it also is an opportunity for us to shift and to pivot and to begin to, to pay attention to issues that have been long ignored and mm -hmm. to come up with practical solutions on how to do that. And I think that's within our hands. And I think God can give wisdom for us to, to navigate those things. But, I, but no, I don't, I, I don't really put this in God's lap, though I do think it's it, it is there is a lot of biblical evidence to point towards um that god does have the capability of, of doing these things himself right um, but sometimes if you tell your child more than once not to do something and they do it and then they deal with the consequences of that sometimes sometimes you you have to just accept the decision that they made even though that was less than ideal right and I like what you said, and that is a really good, what I like to call nugget about our healthcare system. Myself working in the healthcare system, you know, I do feel like a lot of times we take, I'm going to say we, we're all going to take, you know, the load for it. We work on um, kind of like reactive care versus the preventative care. 
Absolutely. That is something that I think that we need to look at that whole, the, the holistic approach to medicine, I think is something for us to really sit back and kind of look at it because a lot of things that you have heard as far as people who are more susceptible, who are getting, you know, who are the most ill when they contract COVID-19 or those who have those pre-existing conditions and some conditions, you know, some may say, well, you know, it's hereditary, it's unavoidable, but some of them are, if you look at diabetes, you know, there's different types of diabetes and some of them can be reversible. You know, there is one type that can be reversible. So I, I do appreciate what you said about that. And I do think that's a good, you know, nugget for thought. Now, I mentioned in that first question about the end times, why do some ministries, in your opinion, only preach about the end times while others will preach only about prosperity? I think that... I'm glad you, you used the word ministries. I think it's important to understand that the gospel is free, but ministry is not. Mm-hmm. Ministry sometimes is a business. Mm. And ministry sometimes has a market. Mm-hmm. There are some people who are interested in prosperity and some people who are interested in um catastrophic end times, predictive what's going to happen down the road, future stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people gear their ministries to those things because those are what people like or mm-hmm. people want to know about. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible is not was not designed to segment in such a way that you begin to exploit one or two verses mm-hmm. to build upon to say that this is the only thing that matters. Yes. I, and I think that is so important because at the end of the day, it's all in the Bible. Yes, absolutely. It's all all there. And this is a conversation that, you know, Trevor and I have often, why is it that we'd like to take (laughs) one portion of the Bible and we apply it? And that's just like, that's just what it is. It's black and white. But if you go a few scriptures up, Mm -hmm. you don't agree with what it's saying. That doesn't maybe align with your lifestyle. And so that doesn't matter. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and I think, I think to I think for some people it's taught. I think for other people it's a way for them to seize control of their life. Mm-hmm. Justify. Um, yeah, because <laughs> so if you, you can if you can contain an idea and build a wall around it, mm-hmm. then then and, and, and that box is or that, that container is small enough for you to examine, then you believe you know everything. Mm-hmm. But 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 when that thing becomes free flowing um, and uncaged then you realize that you don't know and then you don't have control. And the one thing that human beings often grab for is control, mm-hmm. right? I think, I think the problem that we have not yet understood um, about the reason why scripture is there, we have 40 different authors, mm-hmm. 66 different books, mm-hmm. um, spanning throughout many generations. Nobody could have colluded with somebody else to put it together. Mm-hmm. All of them are testifying of their experiences with God. Mm-hmm. and God dealing with us in spite of our experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem is we, we are trying to take control of our lives without realizing the narrative over and over again says that God is the one who has control over your life right. and that we have to submit our lives to him in order to really have some sort of clarity about what our purpose is and whatever else. 
Yeah. But when you try to contain it and say, okay, these are the parameters in which prosperity happens. These are the parameters in which end times happens. Now I know how to navigate things. Then you think you can control your life. And the Bible is very clear that your life is like a blade of grass. You're here today. You're gone tomorrow. So the question is between your birth, your birth date and your death date, what is your, what's your reason for existence? It is to be in relationship with God so that your death date becomes erased and it becomes a continuum from your birth date to eternity. Mm, yes, yes. I, you know, recently went to a funeral and someone got up and spoke and they talked about just what you're talking about, that dash. You know, you see someone, the birth date and the death date, but what was that in between with that dash? Absolutely. So yeah. talking about the Bible, is it possible to believe in God, but not in the Bible? Yes. Please explain Absolutely. yourself. There are there are people, and this is and and now I'm going to be a bit offensive, because I think it's necessary right now. Mm-hmm. There's a there are people who spend their lives googling things to refute the Bible or to prove their point, but they don't believe God exists. I know several people with a, who went to some of the highest. Um, Ivy League institutions, some of the have the highest level of scholarship. Many people who are really, really good at Christian theology mm-hmm. don't believe God exists. Well, I understand, but I'm saying, can can we as Christians believe in God but not believe in the Bible? The other way around. So, 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 so as Christians, we can. So the question is, can Christians believe in God but not believe in the Bible? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I can see your first point of, you know, yeah, I can see your first point, but you're saying still the answer is yes, you can believe in God, but not believe yes. in God. So then where absolutely. do you for your doctrine? Where do you, where's, where do you get the foundations from? Some people govern themselves accordingly. And, and, and <laughs> see, the Bible is the word of God, mm-hmm. right? God's word. Mm-hmm. The, the, the reason why we have sin is because somebody did not trust God's word. Mm-hmm. So it's very possible to believe the de- in the book of James, I believe somebody can fact check me on this, but I know it's in the Bible, but then particularly the new Testament, but it talks about the idea that even the devils know the existence of God knows the power of God knows that God exists, mm-hmm. but, but, but does not follow adhere, obey him right there's the 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 challenge is you can believe god exists you can you can say you have a relationship with god Mm -hmm. the word of god is to be adhered to and followed and to help set uh, for correction and for reproof and whatever and there are people who say god exists but they don't want to listen to anything the word of god says so if tomorrow god told let's say scripture says you know love your neighbor as yourself and they don't but they believe God exists. And the Bible speaks to that. The Bible says, how could you, how could you um, believe in or claim that you have a relationship with a God you, you do not see, mm-hmm. but the neighbor you do see that you treat them with disrespect? Okay. That's, that, that's in the New Testament. That's in the New Testament. Yes, that, that is. So it's, then how, I struggle. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm very transparent. I struggle with that. I, I struggle with, I can believe in God, but then not in the Bible because I feel like that's his word. And for my personal experience, that's my, I feel like that's my gateway 
in some sense for relationship and understanding his character more and getting more direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it really depends how, I mean, so let me give you another example. There are people who, who believe in God, but think everything, the first uh, 11 books of Genesis were totally fairy tales. Mm, Okay. I mean, somebody who's, I mean, and again, I'm not saying this to, to introduce doubt to people, right? But but I do want to be able to put some things that are common challenges for people in the first, you know, the first level of books. Mm-hmm. For for somebody, they may say, okay, God exists. Help me understand how and how two human beings are having a conversation with a snake. Mm-hmm. Okay. How 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 do we? Where is this fruit that you can eat and you can live forever? What are angels? What do you mean? There's a dragon. What do you mean by these individuals were whatever feet tall? How could you live 800, 900 years? Right. What, who did Cain get married to, right? If there was no other person on the planet, was that his sister? Was that somebody else? Were there more than one Adam and Eve's, right? Um, what do you, why, does, why is Jesus so nice in the New Testament? And you're telling me that Jesus is the one in the Old Testament. People can say, believe this part, but not the other part. And I think that's just as dangerous. And so it's very possible to, to say, hey, I, I believe in God, but I don't believe in the Bible. Well, look, here the Bible talks about slavery, right? So, so my, point, my point overall is that there are people on e- either way. There are people who, uh, believe, who, who read the Bible and believe in the contents of the Bible, but don't believe God exists. And there are people who believe that God exists, but don't adhere to what the Bible says. Okay. They, don't, they have nothing to do with it. They just figured that's just another book like the Quran what whatever writings you know is it's just it's just a book okay. it, well but if it's the word of god then it, it then people need to de- to govern themselves differently because even because even god quotes scripture right when christ comes comes shows up he he's quoting scripture right. so apparently there's some level of authority and authenticity that is happening and we know Christ is a natural figure. So why would he draw from something that he doesn't believe in? Right. Okay. Right. Even when he was challenging, being challenged by the devil, he kept saying, it is written. It is written. Because the devil is quoting scripture. Right. Right. But, hasn't, but, 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 is, but is only using it for a particular purpose in guys. I think there's a lot of people out there that pick one or two texts and they run with it as their, their life action. And they're not really concerned about, um, about the totality of what scripture says. And that, that I think that's dangerous because scripture is, scripture is addressing why. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're, otherwise, how could you understand who God is? Right. Right. I, you, can yeah. look, you can look at the natural world and see how God designed a star and how did he design a dog and whatever, but you're not going to get to understand why. The why comes from scripture. Right. Okay. All right. I can respect that perspective because I think these conversations are so important because a lot of times we can get so stuck on what we believe and why we believe it that we're not, we're not open for conversation. I'm not saying that the conversation has to sway you in a new train of thought, but just be open Yeah. so that you can kind of understand your brother or your sister more. So I'm going to switch a little bit in far as the direction with this next question. Okay. Sure. Um, this has been really big um, in the news and us being African-American, really big to us. So the Black Lives Matter movement, 
Should the church take a stance when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement? Yes. Why or why not? <laughs> so now let's strap in. We're going to go for a bumpy ride. Again, yeah, this before is you get started, Nicola, and I'm not just talking about the African-American churches. I'm talking about the churches as a whole. We say we're Christian. We believe in God as a collective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as a collective, I think the church needs to. Let me back. Let me back up. Let me start off with this and I'm going to I'm going to jump to where you're we're talking. Okay. Um. I think it's important to understand what exactly is being said by the organization mm -hmm. and what is being said by the message by the organization. When you say the organization, are we talking about the Black Lives Matter? Are we talking about the organization as far as the church? I'm talking about, about in terms of Black Lives Matter. Okay. So there is a Black Lives Matter organization. Right. So there, so some people don't know that, right? Mm -hmm. They're learning about it, but some people don't know that. So some people used to, when they heard the term Black Lives Matter, they're like, oh, yeah, of course, right? And then they'll get angry, like, you know, what do you mean my life doesn't matter? Yeah, you know, and they, they get up and say stuff. Right. And then you read the, or, the tenets of the organization and then everyone's shocked because that might not be, when they say Black Lives Matter, all of that stuff is not necessarily what they, they mean, right? right. Mm -hmm. um, now, some people think that because I'm a pastor that I'm going <laughs> to, that I'm going to have issue with, oh, it's because the founders are part of the LGBT community. That's not the issue. I don't have that issue, mm -hmm. right? Um, I will have, I do have an issue with the idea that the nuclear family needs to be disrupted in order for somebody else to exist. Mm -hmm. coming, from, coming, from a, coming from a traditional family and understanding the role of a black male in a home mm -hmm. and, and understanding other people who've gone through divorce or, or, or incarceration or whatever, I think is very important for the black community to have a nuclear family. And I don't think we have to disrupt that in order for somebody else to exist. Okay. Right. I strive every day to make sure as a father and as a husband that I keep my family together. Mm -hmm. So I don't care what anybody else feels about that. If you want to do something different, that's cool. But I, I don't think when I say black lives matter, I'm not talking about disrupting my, my nuclear family. I'm simply addressing the issue of police brutality, racism, and things that happen. And I think that has been part of the problem. Mm -hmm. whole, whole people have been getting up and saying Black Lives Matter, not realizing some of the other positions that are being taken by the organization. And then now they're feeling it like, oh, they'll either discard it altogether or they'll totally embrace it and, and not care whether that compromises their own values. Mm. I, I say that the, the church as a collective needs to sit down and say, okay, what is it that we agree with and what do we not agree with, right? Right. What is it that we support and what do we don't support, right? And, it's, and I don't think common sense, especially as a Christian, you should be able to say everybody's made in the image of God. You should be able to remember the story of the Good Samaritan and realize that the broken person on the ground still needs help and saying, I pr I'm, I'm praying for you isn't going to change it. I think there still needs to be active involvement to make sure that ra racism should not be a partisan issue. Yes. Nobody from the right has a monopoly on Christianity. Either on the left has a monopoly on love and morality. Everybody should say racism at its core is evil and that, and that it's wrong. 
However, I don't have to suspend my judgment, nor do I have to compromise my personal Christian values to endorse things that I also don't agree with. Right. Right. So now people, again, want to get into nuance. They'll say, well, are you saying people who are who are black and trans, you know, get to get beat up? No. They don't. I don't see what's anything wrong with saying that. What are you saying? The LGBT community doesn't get to exist. Of course, go ahead and exist. Mm-hmm. I'm not having issue with this. This is not it. This that is not the argument. Mm-hmm. The argument is: Do I have to say, as a Christian, as a Bible-believing Christian, that I support that way of life in order to say Black Lives Matter? No, I don't. Mm. I could, I could, I could, I could simply say that I support Black Lives Matter. I don't think you get to die on the hands of police. I think you get to uh, exist as people. That is not my place to take ju- that kind of judgment into my hands. So I don't have to agree to everything that's being said. So when when one of your tenants says, you know, we're dis- we're disrupting the Western, you know, prescribed nuclear family, and I know that you're you're getting funding, and <laughs> I know that your funding is coming from a political side of things. Mm-hmm. And I and I know that there 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 are other political dollars that are following. I'm going to ask questions, and I have the right to ask questions as a person, right? And as a black person, I should ask questions, right? Now I'm going to say some stuff that's probably going to get me in trouble, but I don't really care because <laughs> truth is truth sometimes, and it'll set I, us free. Look, listen, this is an election year. Mm-hmm. In the United States, this is an election year. I get very suspicious as a black person when any group starts pandering to me on an election year. <laughs> I feel you. So it's not, this is, a, this, you know, so some people are like, well, but why? But no, there's no why. Listen, Malcolm X said that the, that the, that the liberals and the conservatives both are the difference between a fox and a wolf. Mm. One's going to show you their teeth and be overtly aggressive, and the other is going to use deception. Mm. Malcolm X said it. Louis Farrakhan said it. Dr. Martin Luther King said it. It is, it is understood that as it pertains to black people in America, that neither party necessarily... It, listen, if, <laughs> if my leg is broken, and I come to the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. And I tell my doctor, my leg is broken. This is what I need you to fix. I do not need one doctor from the left and one doctor from the right arguing about what they think I need that has nothing to do with my leg. Well, I think we need to put a cast on your arm, says the person on the right. Well, I think we need to lower your insurance premium, says the person on the left. Here comes the the neutral person saying, well, I need to check your heart to make sure everything's fine. Meanwhile, my leg is broken. Mm -hmm. You're saying from the left or from the right, that I'm not intelligent enough to tell you that my leg is broken, but you want to talk to me about this thing over here or this thing over here. I I think that's been the problem. So when it comes to the issues of Black Lives Matter or these other organizations, people come up and begin to tell you what is needed without getting the real input of Black America. Mm. Black America, listen, I'm going to disrupt some people's mindset right now. Not everybody Black is liberal. Of course not. And, not. and not everybody black who's conservative is like the Herman Cain's of the world or the Ben Carson's of the world or the, 
or, 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 or whatever you want to call it, right? There, there are people who are liberal. There are people who are progressive. There are people who are moderate. There are people who are independent. There are people who are alt-right and the people who are just right-winged or whatever. Mm-hmm. And all of them can be black. And it's, it's unfair that in this election cycle, we're spending time trying to pander to one side because we'll say everybody has to be this or everyone has to be that. So when it comes to the issue of the church, this is all tying in because I think the church has also made the same mistake. Mm-hmm. They'll get up and see issues in society and they will, they will try to address it and have these talking points either from the far left or the far right. And nobody's asking the people who are suffering, what do they need? They're telling you their leg is broken and you're talking about a Bible study. Mm-hmm. Or you're, they're telling you your leg is broken and you want to go and fix the neighborhood. Their leg is broken. Get their input before you get up and do these large movements. And then that way, nobody feels pressured to sign up for it. So, so I think the church needs to pay attention. The church should have been leading civil rights issues from day one. All churches, not just the black church, but all churches, because we're all made in the image of God, right? And then when it comes to the matter of Black Lives Matter as, an organized, as a political organization, I think the church should step in and say, okay, these are the things we agree with with you. These are the things we don't agree with you, but we can march together to solve these particular things. Now, when it comes to these other things, we're not on the same page. But, okay. but you, you go on ahead and, and it's a challenge because, look, Vicky, there are churches, there are people who say there are, there are Bible-believing Christians. I'm not disparaging anybody. I'm just telling you what I know. Mm-hmm. They're Bible-believing Christians who believe in things that the Bible would say no against, but they still do in their church. Mm-hmm. And they're still a church. So you ask the, so, so like, for example, oh man, I'm going to get in trouble. United, for example, the United Methodist Church mm-hmm. had a split, I think, last year or the year before. because the, And the split had to do with, I think, and you, somebody can check me on this. It had either to do with the acceptance of the LGBT community in their churches, or it had to do with LGBT clergy. Mm, okay. Right. So, so if you ask, so, so based on your question, if you're asking, well, can the entire church corporately come together and solve this issue with Black Lives Matter? Well, it would be, it would arguably speaking, the United Methodists who, who are on the side of having LGBT clergy may support the things in relationship to LGBT communities on, as it pertains to the Black Lives Matter tenants. Mm-hmm. Right. But but if you are Southern Missionary Baptists or Church of God in Christ, you may not even touch those things. Mm-hmm. So collectively, we're all going to have to sit down and 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 look at what are the things that are being said. But I think the overall understanding should be that Black Lives Matter, too. Mm-hmm. Not Black Lives Matter only. Right. And not all lives matter. Mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter too. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that. Leave it at that. Go on, drop the mic. I'm, gonna, I'm, a, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get an email. No, <laughs> don't be emailing the pastor, y'all. Don't, don't, don't email the pastor. No, don't email the pastor. Ahead. Just pray about it. You go and you pray about it, but you ain't got to call or email him. Okay. You know what? And, and, and I'll say one more thing. I'll say one more thing, Vicky, because I, I, know, I know the Lord is going to hold me for this. We should be able, as the church, or as a Christian, 
Mm-hmm. Call out wrong when wrong is being done. Mm, yes. I really am getting irritated. And, and my irritation is people are so desirous for the Black Lives Matter movement or any or even for Donald Trump or for Biden or for mm-hmm. whatever that they're willing to ignore wrong in any space mm-hmm. in order to get what they want. Mm, I'm so with if, you on that, Nikolai. That now that that gets underneath my skin. I'm with you on that. I tend to be a black and white person on a lot of topics, and I'm just like, right is right and wrong is wrong. It don't matter who it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's wrong. So, 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 for example, as a black person, as a black Christian person, if I see a Bible being burned in Portland, I'm calling you on it. Right. Should be to be like, well, I don't see uh, what the big deal is. It's just a Bible. It's important to me because not just not because it's a sacred, holy book that's going to have some sort of special supernatural power. The burning of a Bible in history is symbolic. The only times in history when where Bibles were being burned were through socialist Marxist contexts where people got fed up with religion. We see that in the French Revolution. We see that in Stalin, uh, uh, in, in Stalin's empire during the Soviet Union. We see that sometimes in Nazi Germany. And so I understand everyone's like, well, we always say socialism for everything. I said, no, but listen, that's the boy calling, crying, crying wolf. I'm talking about you see an actual Bible being burned. That's symbolic. That's not like my trash can being burned. That's, not, that's just as symbolic as when you see a black person being lynched. Mm. we're not going to say that's a regular handing or, or a suicide. It's symbolic. When you see a cross being burnt on the lawn, we don't say that's just, you know, somebody burning. That's symbolic. There's a reason. Symbols are things that happen. There are real things that happen that have greater meaning. So when you see folks who burn a Bible and, and we know that some of the, that the only thing that can topple capitalism is Marxism. It's the only opposite extreme. You see that Bible being burned. That's what people for, for, for lack of a better, better word, got really upset. So you need to call that out. When, you, if, when, a police officer, when those police officers got ambushed, mm-hmm. we should be able to say that's wrong. We shouldn't be like, that's what they deserve. We don't know those police officers shot anybody. We find out that one of them was on the force for, for, for not so long, and the other one was a, was, was, was a single mother. Right. What, shoot, so we're not going to clap at that. We will not also clap or celebrate or make fun of George Floyd's, you know, getting, having his knee on his neck for eight minutes straight while he's crying out for his mother. That's wrong. Right. So, so we should be able to call out wrong if a person from the LGBT community is getting beat up because of their orientation, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. If somebody is getting beat up because of their skin color, it's wrong. If a white person is getting beat up, it's wrong. It's, we should be able to sit down and say through the eyes of God, we should see what wrong looks like, not based on our own judgment and eyes and not based on whether or not we feel the person deserves it. I ain't trying to preach this Sunday morning. I'm just trying to let people know that we as a church have failed because we have done the sin of partiality where we want to be able to give credence to or desire to some person over another. And it should be, we should be able to call out right and wrong based on what right and wrong looks like. So if you're not giving health care for certain people because you're saying they don't got enough money, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And then if, if, if you decide to, you know, if you crash the economy, but all the bankers who did it, ain't no, not one person went to jail. You, you finish the statement, Vicky. <laughs> that's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you run in for public office and we know 
that you put, see, I'm again trouble, but we know that when you were in a certain position, you, you purposely withheld information that would allow a free, a, a, a person in jail to be set free mm. so that you can do your job as a prosecutor. I don't want to hear, well, that was a long time ago. It was wrong, just like it was wrong when we put the Central Park Five in prison when the evidence said that they didn't do it. So why is it different now because a black woman is running for VP? Mm. Oh, look, so, so folks say I, I have a problem with color. I have a problem with anybody who's not going to do the right thing. It's just as wrong as as forty five putting children in cages. Mm-hmm. So I ain't here for anybody or against anybody. My friends on the left think I'm conservative. My friends on the right think I'm liberal. I ain't here for that. I'm here with what thus saith the Lord. It's going to be wrong either side of the fence. Come on now, and I just and as Charles Persian said. Of the greater of two evils, choose none. Mm, I like that. I like that. But you know what, Pastor? You got a whole song over there. You could do a whole little gospel, little rap just off of that. Uh-oh. <laughs> albums, yes. albums in store. Albums Come in on, store. Come on, drop it. Drop it on iTunes. Come on now. Well, we're going to entitle it. <laughs> I, I, I know. Stay woke. That's, that's <laughs> Stay it. Woke. <laughs> I love Stay it. woke because he's coming back. Stay woke. I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. We're going to move on, on to the next question, okay? Mm-hmm. No doubt. What do you feel like is the number one taboo when talking about religion? Mm. Money. Mm. We gonna get into it. Uh, we ain't even gonna elaborate on. We gonna get into that a little bit later. Okay. Well, mm. actually, actually, nope, nope. I take that back. Let, let let's talk about it. I'm going to ask you about tithing. Mm-hmm. Is that a heart issue or a heaven and hell issue? Mercy. <laughs> Woo, you're going in the paint this time. Come on um, now. Let, it can be both. Mm, explain yourself, Pastor. Yeah, it can be both. So let me, let me, let me, I'm going to give you a few stories quickly and okay. you will understand what the main point is. Okay. I had somebody call me the other day. And they were working their budget over a long period of time. They've never missed returning their tithe or offering. But for whatever reason, something happened. And then they didn't have enough money to take care of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so if they were to return the tithe and offering, they were going to go negative in their bank account. Mm -hmm. So the question was, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Um, And I told the person that that's between you and God. Mm-hmm. I said, now, if God told you to do it, he'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll, he'll get it back to you. You're returning something to him. Mm-hmm. But, if, but if he gives you the green light to be cool, then be cool. That's between you and God. I'm not going to police you. Mm-hmm. The person, I believe, decided to return it. Okay. Their own journey. Now, I will say this. Long time ago, I stumbled across somebody who was preaching. I won't tell you who it was, but somebody was preaching and they were suggesting that the more money you give, the more God will give back to you. Mm-hmm. So I was broke. So I was like, shoot, let me take, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give 25%. Come on, 25%. So I threw it in the offering plate. I was real confident. I walked in the church, threw it in the offering plate, almost like you slapping down spades, right? Just <laughs> books, right? 
And so I threw it down. I was like, yeah. And I said to God, I was like, all right, I'm, I, I don't know when it's going to happen. Maybe Monday through Friday, but I'm going to get mine back because I put more in the plate. And I remember I went to work that Monday, confident, got a speeding ticket. Mm. Then when I got to work later that day, it turns out that somebody messed up payroll and I was only going to get half of my check. Mm. And it was going to take another pay cycle before I got the rest. So Why mind that you, like that? I'm just, just, just a quick commercial. Why when they, when you owe them, mm-hmm. it's like you owe them, you better come up with that money. They be trying to report you to the creditors, but when they owe you, well, they always take their time. They always take their time. What is that about? I think we should be doing that to them. <laughs> pay yourself first. Yeah, yeah. And take your time to pay them back. Well, don't don't meet the deadline though, because you well, know, you need a good FICO score, people. Okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> you give them a deadline, they ain't gonna do it. But <laughs> the system is of such that you have to give it back to them, right? So that's crazy. Right. Um. So. I'm now 25% short mm-hmm. with a ticket and <laughs> half a check living in Maryland. Mm-hmm. We already know. With, with rent coming up. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, God, I'm expecting <laughs> way more in return. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen. And I had to call my aunt who's in New York and, and, and long story short, they had to send me groceries mm-hmm. because I didn't have enough to take care of rent and eat. Mm. And I remember I was mad. I was super mad. I was like, well, I thought, you know, I'm reading all the texts in the Bible. I, was like, I thought you said, if I return it, that you're going to bless me, blah, 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 blah. And I remember hearing God out loud, like you need to check your attitude. Mm. He said, I don't owe you. This is literally God's words. I don't owe you anything. Mm-hmm. He said, it's mine to begin with. You're mm. returning it. Yeah. So I don't owe you anything. He said, I, you, you stop talking to me like, I'm, like you're the IRS. I don't owe you anything. And he said, what? And, and, then, and then this is what God hit me with. He said, what makes you think that when you get a blessing, that the blessing is financial? Mm. He, said, the, he, said, he said, did you wake up? I said, yes. Mm-hmm. He said, that's a blessing. He said, can you breathe? Yes. That's a blessing. Did you go to the doctor this week? No, that's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Is do you have a place under you have a roof over your head? Yep, that's a blessing. Stop thinking it's just disposable income. That's true. It could Can be. I also say this too, though. Sure. In that you know, in that story that you shared, for me, the blessing that you even had an auntie, a family member that you could lean Mm -hmm. on in that time is a blessing within itself because he's still providing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, now that was, that incident actually happened the year that I was getting married. Oh, wow. So I'm going to tell you this quick story because it's connecting. So this happens where God checks my attitude and I started changing my, my mindset about tithing. Mm -hmm. Now it's something I'm returning. I'm grateful to return it. Here's what happens. Long story short, um, I'm, I, I was married into my, my wife, shout out to my wife, help for the healthcare professional podcast. Hey, yeah. Yeah. We love Abigail. That's right. Abigail. Um, so Abigail comes from African family. And at the time we were helping out at a Kenyan church. So we had a whole bunch of Africans who were going to support our wedding. Mm-hmm. Now 
if you get privileged to, to marry somebody who is from the continent of Africa, one of the blessings that comes about is that the family takes responsibility for paying for the wedding. Mm, okay. So, so, so they're responsible for paying for the wedding. They're responsible for paying for the reception. The catch is that anybody from the community can show up to this wedding. Oh, snap. So our guest list went from 200-something people to like 300 and 500 showed up at the wedding. Oh! Who didn't get to eat? Well, see, now now here's where the blessing comes in. They had a system, especially the Kenyans, they had a system. They had like a pre-wedding party. They had some other stuff. But basically, there were people who were like responsible for, for counting the money. And every time I would receive a check overall from the giving of the community, God told me to tithe it. Mm. Now, I'm looking at God like, I could barely afford this wedding. But he said, God, God said, tithe it, and I'll bless you. Mm. Cool. My attitude, I already, I already learned from the first experience. I'm still living where I'm living at in Maryland. So I figured, all right, we're going to be cool. So I went and sent, um, I started returning the tithe on what I was receiving from the community. And what ended up happening was we ended up having the wedding. One of the best weddings ever in the history of mankind. I still stand by that. You're entitled to your own opinion. I know, Vicky. Yours is pretty cool, too. Yours was pretty cool, too. We were in there. <laughs> yes, you were. You and Abigail. Absolutely. You know, you have to um, even talk about why I wasn't at your wedding. Because, yeah, you have to blame Trevor. You blame yeah. Trevor. We are blaming Trevor. We're blaming Trevor. It wasn't my fault. It was Trevor's fault. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we got to when the wedding was done. Not only did everybody, we had, we had like 500 people show up. We had a phenomenal wedding. Mm-hmm. We had gifts that were stacked to the roof. Oh, wow. That took care of everything that we needed for our first apartment. We got enough checks randomly from communities that took care of our rent and then some and our honeymoon mm. and our flight to get there. Mm. Now, get this. We got down to uh, Puerto Rico for our honeymoon. Mm-hmm. I get I I find this deal at this really cool hotel that's overlooking the beach, right? Five star hotel, everything included, whatever you name it. I get into the room, and the window is right outside of a big dumpster where you could smell the stuff in your room, mm-hmm. right? So I'm saying to myself, this is not a good look for honeymoon night. You do not want to have a dumpster outside of your window honeymoon night. Mm-hmm. But I said, God, thank you that you took care of everything anyway, blah, blah, blah. A couple hours later, my wife turned on the sink and mm-hmm. the sink exploded. Mm-hmm. The entire bathroom flooded. Our room got flooded. So now I'm saying, man, this is all happening. Honeymoon night. She don't know anything about this hotel. What are we going to do? We go downstairs with our luggage, talk to the front desk. Long story short, they look at me and said, Mr. Graves, how would you like an upgrade? I said, I ain't paying no money for no upgrade. They said, Mr. Graves, we ain't saying nothing about any money. They said, how would you like to have a condo? Ooh, said, said, okay. They're like, it's already taken care of. We'll lead you to where it is. The condo overlooked all of, all of uh, uh, Puerto Rico. Wow. Top floor of a condo, free amenities, everything. Wow. And we had a great time. My point was, when I look back on what happened, I did what God told me to do. I returned it, and he blessed us. And I personally think he broke the sink so that we can get the top floor. 
right? Right. And, and so I tell people nowadays, when you're thinking about tithing, this becomes an issue of your heart. An issue of your heart and the attitude in which you approach God can be a matter of heaven or hell. Not just heaven or hell like in eternity, but heaven and hell in terms of what happens in your life. Yes, that's very true. You know, so you can, you can know, you know the story of uh, Ananias and Sapphira. They lied to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit killed them mm. for lying about not returning what or, or not being honest about what they said they were going to give to the church, right? So it doesn't mean that God's out there like a boogeyman. He's ready to strike people because they're not returning. But I think, but, there, but every time God has issue with something in scripture, it's a matter of the heart. You, yeah. Why do you not trust him to take care of you? It's not like he needs money. He's not the God of the Greeks where they demand payment in order for you to do something or they, they demand payment in order for a blessing to happen. God made it very clear that he blesses the just and the unjust, right? He's cool with Abraham, but he's also cool with Abimelech because when Abimelech trying to take Abraham's sister, who was actually his wife, he shows up in the dream and stops him mm-hmm. before he does, he essentially commits adultery, right? Um, so God is cool with everybody. But God doesn't play with matters of the heart. And I think that's where it comes down to the issue of tithing. It's a matter of a heart. And I've noticed that people who have an attitude of generosity and an attitude of, of giving, like that's a spirit that they have, like they have a spirit of giving. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but contrary to popular belief, there's a lot of people who are very affluent who have an attitude of giving. Mm. I've seen that. There are the jerks out there who like, you know, got the nose in the air, bad attitude, got money, but they're not, they're different than the people I know who happen to be wealthy and give, like they give the clothes off their back and God gives them more stuff to give. Right. Well, let me ask this question about tithing. Do you tithe that 10% or whatever percentage God has told you to tithe? Because for certain people, he's told, you know, tithe this certain percentage. Is it off the net or is it off of the gross? Mm. I think that's between the, the person and God. Okay, that's fair. You know, um, man, that's between the person and God. I've done both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just depends on the person. Where, yeah. where, where I am, I don't even remember where I am. I just give, you know what I mean? I don't even think about like it's already part of the, the our way of life. Yes, yeah, you know, it's not like it just automatically withdraws like it's just like a bill. Like we actually mm-hmm. thank God, we return. I mean, there are times where God may ask us to do things for people directly. Mm-hmm. Um, so even when if I were to do the math for the things we do for people directly, that's connected to that. It's probably way more than what we give anyway. But okay. um. Yeah, but I think that depends on the person and their walk with God. So talking about money, why, and I hate to generalize, but why are there so many Christians that are in debt? Why are we in mm. debt, Nikolai? You know, oh man, that's such a, it's, it's such a loaded question. Um, but I'm going to try and answer it in, sef- in, in, in some quick pieces. Okay. I think... I think the number one, I, I think, first of all, I think the issue of money isn't really taught in church. Mm-hmm. Just, like, just, like, just like people learn about sex from the world, even mm-hmm. though God designed sex. Mm-hmm. People learn about wealth from the world, even though the Bible says that the Lord is the one who, 
who gives you wealth. Right. I think that's been the main problem. I think there is a stigma, at least even in Catholicism, where the Catholic Church in, in church history literally was a financial empire, right? They had, they, they had the allegiance of the state. They're, they're making people do things in order to, you know, sacraments and penance and stuff like that. You had to pay money in order to gain your salvation. Mm-hmm. And I think that has had a negative stain on the church. But even in Protestantism, I think, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't taught that. I think there has been a attitude where for some people where they believe, which is not really biblically grounded at all, mm-hmm. they believe that the poorer you are, the more righteous you are. Mm. So I, again, this may hurt somebody's feelings, but God, the Bible says that the Lord is the one who provides wealth. Mm-hmm. Wealth is, is a gift from God. Money is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Wisdom and talent to capitalize on your things. In fact, I even ran across a quote, which I, if, I mean, there's a book called Councils of Stewardship mm-hmm. um, that I thought was phenomenal. But in this chapter, it literally said, the acquisition of wealth is not a sin. Mm-hmm. That blew my mind. Because you're often hear it like you, you know, people preach maybe the parable or the story of the rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. They may preach one or two other things and try to draw examples like, look at this person who has all this money and they're selfish. Maybe you preach about, you know, Jezebel and Ahab taking Naboth's vineyard, right? But you skip Abraham, you skip Isaac, you skip Jacob, you skip Moses, you skip mm-hmm. Joseph, who becomes second in command, you skip Daniel, who's elevated. You skip all of these, David, Solomon. Mm-hmm. It's very clear. In fact, there was something I read, I believe is Ecclesiastes 13. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody can read that later. But in the section of that text, I read it in a different translation. Which, I, But again, I'm just, I don't have it in front of me. But I, if I did, I would just tell you uh, what I learned from it. It actually said something to the effect that God knows the years that how how long somebody's going to live, mm-hmm. and He knows that those years are going to be difficult, and so God gives people things to do, and wealth, and comfort, and different things, so that even though bad things will happen in their life, that those particular things will offset the bad. Mm, okay, that's in Ecclesiastes. So I think the problem is that that the church has not taught it. I think there are a lot of ministers. See, I'm going to be offensive today. I think there's a lot of ministers who don't know how to manage money. Mm -hmm. And because they don't know, they also have a mentality that the poorer I am, the more righteous I am because I'm a minister. So, right. So, so the argument then for some people is I'm a minister. I'm more righteous than the people that I preach to. I'm poorer than the preacher, people that I preach to. So therefore, you shouldn't be making more money than me. If you want to be righteous, you've got to do the reverse. Mm-hmm. And then there are some ministers who go the other extreme where it's become capitalistic, right? Like everything has to do with prosperity and money. So um, if you drive a Maybach or a Ferrari or your mansion is seven mil, right? The more stuff you have, the more righteous you are to God. It's very clear in the Bible that even though the Lord gives wealth, and even though wealth is a gift from God, there is nowhere in the Bible that suggests that the more money you have or the less money you have, that you're more righteous or less righteous. 
Right. Righteousness cannot be dependent on what's on your what's in your what's in your wallet. Right. It's not dependent on your credit score. God will save rich people and God will save poor people and they're going to both end up in heaven and there's going to be rich people and poor people who go to hell. Mm-hmm. You you have to make sure at the end of the day that you pay attention to what your responsibility is. And and look, even the parable of the uh the the 10 talents, right? The master goes away and there's an expectation from the master that there's a return on investment. Mm-hmm. The person who has 10 comes back with, 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 the person who has five comes back with 10. The person who has two comes back with four. The person who has one who buries it, the master's totally upset. Totally upset. He said, he said, you should have at least put it in the bank and got interest, right? And now, even though that parallels to some greater realities, the fact is that like, that was something they understood. People twisted it over the years to make it seem like they're, they're two extremes, right? Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, people, people are not taught it. But then I think there are also people who are adamantly, what's the word for it that I want to use? I think there's also people who, who, who not only, I want to be very careful how I say this. I think that that culture teaches people what to value and what to make important. And some Christian cultures, mm-hmm. we have focused so much on the second coming of Christ that we make bad financial decisions, assuming that because we will get to glory, that we won't have to take care of our financial responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So there's some people who may have said, Jesus is coming back. And I literally met these people, so I'm not making up this example. If the person hears me and they're offended, that's their problem because it was a dumb, stupid decision. I've met somebody who said, Jesus is coming back, so therefore, I'm going to borrow all these student loans Mm -hmm. and I'm going to spend it on whatever I want because by the time Jesus returns, I won't have to pay back the rest of the debt. These are real life people that I've met. I've met people who, who have said to themselves, God understands. So I'm going to put, I'm going to take my child's credit and I'm going to buy things because my credit is bad. So I'm going to co-sign my, my, my child is going to co-sign with my loan so I can, I can take care of my electric bill or I can go buy a house or a new car. I met a person, help me God. I'm going to, I'm not going to say the person's name because we don't say names. We're not dropping names. We're not dropping names. There is a person who, a story I heard of a, of a person who was looking for a vehicle. Mm-hmm. And they needed to get to school. And they were studying to be a religious leader. Mm-hmm. And so they believed that God was going to get them, help them get a car. And so they proceeded to go to 20 different banks and credit unions. Oh. And the 20th one approved them to buy a very, very expensive vehicle. Mm. And they said, or they concluded, God has given me favor because he's giving me a car. The interest rate, I can't even imagine what maybe in the double digits, right? Do do what? I'm I'm pretty sure that that person's interest rate was probably in the double digits for a car. Woo! 
Jesus. <laughs> right? Because if you went to 20 different banks, 20, and you were rejected from 19, and you still pursued that vehicle, you, didn't, you weren't comfortable with a A to B car. You needed that vehicle. And that vehicle, I know, would have been anywhere. It would have been expensive. Let me just put it that way. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about a regular vehicle. Right. But their conclusion was that that was how they, they thought God was approving them by being approved on the 20th time. Oh. It's a culture for some people to assume that God is, is an idiot <laughs> and he doesn't care about finances and that we can disregard our debt or not be stewards of the things that the Lord has given us. I think we all have to pay attention. There is enough Bible evidence that talks about debt, and there's enough Bible evidence that talks about stewardship. We have to pay attention to our finances, mm-hmm. the Bible. How is it possible that a certain group of people read the same Bible as us, but some of us read it and we end up poorer and poorer? Mm. So we have to begin to think, what is, what is it that I'm not, that, and ask God, what is it that I'm not learning that I should be learning that maybe my churches aren't teaching? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key, Nicola. I think it's the way that we have to unlearn what we've learned about money, a lot of us, and then really take the time, really invest in ourselves to get that knowledge, surround yourself around people, make available resources, because there's plenty of books out there that can help you unlearn those practices. And you know, another point I wanted to make too is I think some people will get misconstrued that well, you know, if I if if they're wealthy, they have to have a love of money. But for some people, this is a political issue, because they have been politically brainwashed to believe that only a particular political party or a particular type of person mm-hmm. receives money. So mm-hmm. if you so if you're in the United States and you are making money, you have to be right wing conservative, hate every culture group, and you're just mean and capitalistic, and you're just not here to help anybody. That has been the mentality that people have been sold. Wow. Right? Look, we had, look, I mean, even politically, right? We had a march on Wall Street that happened, what, five, six years ago? No leader, just a march on Wall We are tired of the 1% and the 99%. And they were out there camping for six months and everybody went home. And then, then what? Right? right. They're, they're, like, rich people are not your enemy. There are the data shows that most people who end up millionaires are first generation. Mm. They're not in, they're not inheriting wealth. Mm. A good book to read on that is called Millionaire Next Door. Mm. Right. Hold on. Let me write that down. Millionaire Next Door. Okay. Millionaire Next Door. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is also a great, great resource by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm. Um, uh, I think sometimes, and, 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 and let me say this, Vicky, from this standpoint, because it, it, there's the reason why some people may ask me, why does this pastor keep talking about politics? Is because we don't realize that we live in a nation, right, that has social conditioning. Mm-hmm. The things we watch on TV, the cartoons we watch growing up, the, the superhero movies, whatever we watch, they all have political uses. Right. Those are facts, right? And so the problem is now that we, we read the Bible sometimes through the lenses of our political identity. Mm. So if you happen to be more left wing 
and you think that that you know then you think jesus is a socialist and if you're more right-wing you think he's a capitalist right people read the bible through lenses and then the way they understand money is 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 through those lenses i literally interviewed uh on 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 my podcast there are two interviews one person was a, a black republican another person was a black progressive they have two different ways of seeing money and i and they both same religious worldview both you know maybe varying different upbringings but the way that they see money politically is so different mm. they're reading the same bible and you'd be surprised how the argument has been if you're conservative then you don't care about the community but the person that i interviewed literally left their job as a prosecutor in order to serve the community Mm. right and mm. and, and <laughs> i won't say you know so we have to we have to be we have to be mindful about the presuppositions that we bring to the text the presuppositions that we believe about money who are we hanging out with mm-hmm. this is the same thing that we used to talk about back in the day when we were da- when, not 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 when we were dating not vicky vicky and i didn't date now that, that's not what i'm saying no no when no we, no no, no. <laughs> For the record, right? Someone's going to take that later. What? But, you know, but, um, you no, know, that's not what I'm saying, okay? I, I, when we were the, in the ages of dating and courting, mm-hmm. one of the issues we, we often talked about when tr- me, you, Trevor, Abby sat down at the table was this idea of other people who are single trying to tell us as dating people how we ought to stabilize our relationship and become married, mm-hmm. right? That was deeply problematic. Because the logic is, if you haven't actually, you have some people who are talking into our ear, hadn't even dated more than three months in any relationship. Mm-hmm. And we're here several years down the road, and they're talking about how they're going to get to marriage. You can't give me advice, right? Mm-hmm. So here's my issue. When we're talking about finances, who are we listening to? Mm-hmm. If we surround ourselves with people who are broke, how on earth are we going to get from A to B financially? I, it means, it might mean, I mean, some people are going to feel uncomfortable about this. It might mean talking to some people who have money. It means sitting down with people from a different political party. It might mean sitting down with somebody who doesn't look like your complexion. Talk to people who are doing it. Yeah. I didn't learn about ministry from people who weren't doing it. I had to talk to people who are doing it. I didn't learn about business. Mm-hmm from people who didn't have one. I had to talk to people who had businesses. I mean, we do that in everything in life, honestly, like in, in, in most professions, well, let me just speak from the healthcare field. When you think mm-hmm. about it, before you get accepted into a professional program, what do, you, what do they require you to do? Of course, you have to have the educational credentials, but mm-hmm. you have to go shadow or volunteer. Yes. And they give you a certain amount of hours that they deem are appropriate for you to shadow to ensure that this is really what you want to do. It's the yes. same concept. <laughs> Absolutely, Vicky. If people apply that concept to issues of relating to money mm-hmm. or even like we even in the Bible, it talks about, right, that you need to watch the company you keep, right? Because they can spiritually impact you, mm-hmm. right? We need to do the same thing when it comes to finances. When if you and it's not it does not mean that you no longer speak to those people or you hate them or you're a sellout to whatever group you're with, right? Mm-hmm. It simply means I have to position myself around doers, not thinkers. Right. There are, 
the one thing that I thought was phenomenal um, in the Rich Dad Poor Dad book, it talked about this idea that um, this guy basically was raised by two fathers. Mm-hmm. One person was a professor. The other person was barely had a high school education. But the person with the high school education was a millionaire and the professor barely had enough to retire. Mm. You got to talk to people who are doing it. And it may not be who you think. The people who drive, if you see some person driving a Porsche 911 or a Lamborghini, maybe they have good credit. So talk to them about how to establish that credit, but they may not be a millionaire. The person who is in charge of that lawn mowing company may actually be the millionaire. Right. This is why with all of the stuff that's happening in our election and in our world or whatever, we cannot allow as believers to remove the biblical framework, having the eyes of God to treat our neighbor as ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because you are actually missing opportunities to learn about things from other people if you begin to segment people based on race, color, sexual orientation, nationality. Why don't we begin to learn people's name and figure out what they do? And then maybe they are the key to solving a problem in your life. Mm. That's a whole word right there. It's a whole world with a, with a whole loaf of bread. Come on, a whole loaf of bread. That's right. We're going to take the wheat bread because that's a little bit healthier. So they- That's why it's healthier. Take the wheat bread, people. Take the wheat bread. So in closing, because we've kind of talked a lot about politics, I feel like I know your stance on this, but I'm going to go ahead and ask the question. Mm-hmm. Should the church be involved in politics? Yes. <laughs> yes. But, big but, yes, they should be involved in politics, but not political parties. Mm, Explain, Pastor. Okay, so you need to, if there's a social issue, speak to that social issue. Do not take a political side. Mm. The church should not be Republican. The church should not be Democrat. Okay. The church should not even be birthday party like Mr. West wants. Right? the, the church party? wait I, what <laughs> yeah when he was running apparently if he was going to run all the way that he said he was creating a new party called the birthday party because if he wins it will be everybody's birthday oh. yeah <laughs> oh. maybe 20 maybe 2024 maybe. Kanye West oh. for president <laughs> well, I don't know you know here in Virginia they don't went and passed the law that he couldn't be on the ballot oh well it well. was about that life no birthday over here no birthday in Virginia. No oh. birthday in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, we're in 2020. It's been a strange time. Um, he's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. I, th- I respect Kanye West from going from nothing to billionaire. Um, yeah. You know, it, I, I really respect that. And as much as people tend to make fun of Kanye, that's why I say you still got to speak to people like that because it's those people you don't expect that actually end up doing great things. Anybody who can hit billionaire status, I could tell you, you, you're a genius. He, Kanye West is a genius. You'll hear it from me first. And I told Trevor this, and I know some people could be like, okay, y'all look crazy. But if you actually listen to some of his interviews and mm-hmm. listen to some of his music, you, he, he is a genius. I'm going to give him that. And I think that's some of the reason why it's maybe a little bit hard to relate to him. I'm going to just be real about it. The way oh, absolutely. It's just, yeah. So he, he, he is way 
Kanye is is so far ahead mm-hmm. of of people. Mm-hmm. It and it's uncomfortable because I wonder sometimes if Kanye um because of the country we're in, sometimes I wonder if Kanye was white mm. if they would take him more seriously. Mm. Oh, that's a good nugget for thought. Yeah. 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 There's a reason why you know, clearly Kardashian took him seriously, right? They got they're married. They have kids, mm-hmm. right? But I think Kanye is ahead of his time. And I think several generations down the road, people are going to really, they may not agree with how he communicates, right? but, uh, or some of the ideas that he's espoused, but I could tell you overall, the man, the man is a genius, but you know, I digress, I, I digress a bit because I want to fix, I don't want people thinking out here. I, I'm hating on Kanye. I respect no, Kanye. We're not hating, but, we're giving him his I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah. But but this issue of 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 parties, right? I think the church should not take a stance against, uh, or 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 you know, against a particular political party. I don't think they should join a political party at all. I think they should be able to speak to issues. Racism is a social issue. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, the church can deal with. I think it was prohibition. They had to do with the issue of alcohol use and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's an issue. Um, dealing with marijuana, you know, as a recreational drug, they can they can get up and say something about that. Handguns. Um, what about handguns? Are we turning hand- the other cheek and praying? Or, <laughs> or see, we, uh... see, and and I, I see, and, and see, and things like that. That's why I think the church should be involved mm-hmm. because there are people who are in the church who who I know pastors who are licensed to carry. Mm-hmm. I know pastors who 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 would never pick up a gun. Um, but when when we're so, but this is this is just where I say now it becomes an issue. So when we see um, gun violence, mm-hmm. I think it was several years ago. Uh, President Obama talked about the idea that Congress would not even allow us to study gun violence mm. on a federal level because the argument is if we allow to study gun violence then then it would lead to people taking away guns right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and his wider argument was if we can study car accidents so that we can have ba- better safety measures for car accidents and we can study um healthcare or even roller coaster rides or whatever to make things safer mm-hmm. why can't we study gun violence to make things safer mm-hmm. and and so i think when it comes to an issue like the church when we're talking about this, the issue isn't whether you have guns or not. The issue is how do we deal with the issue of gun violence? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. When a 17 year old can cross into whatever people's feelings are about it, but let's just look at the facts of that. Mm-hmm. A 17 year old can get into their vehicle with their parent, mm-hmm. drive to another state, say that they're there to defend businesses and for whatever reason, end up shooting three people, two dead and one maimed. Mm-hmm. and you're 17 years old, how did you get an AR-15 or a long gun to begin with? Yeah. Why, and how was that even, is that even allowed in, in the state that you traveled into? Why is it that the police thought that it was okay for you to be there and you're 17, right? Why are they celebrating the fact that you're there? Why does, why, why does you know, when we think about Newtown, 
uh, or Sandy Hook, mm-hmm. a a a a teenager came in and killed children and toddlers. Right. That is a that is an issue that should be on either aisle inappropriate. Mm-hmm. It's in the, it's wrong. It's evil, right? So so we should as a church get up and say, okay. We may not side with the right or the left, but we will speak to this issue mm-hmm. and say that this is wrong. So what can we do to stop this from happening? Maybe we increase background checks. Maybe we say nobody under the age of something. Maybe we have more safety measures where, where a gun can't go off unless you have, um, you know, fingerprinting. I don't know. There's technology that exists and there are people more educated, right? Because they'll start into going to nuance about this is the type of gun, it, you know, how do we to determine what a gun is? Mm-hmm. Are we saying, you know, I'm not here to get into the politics of the, you know, nuances of words, but what I am saying overall is there's a lot of hurt and pain that's happening in the world. Right. And what, and what should not happen is that the church goes into isolation and haven mode and we're going to just hide out and wait for Jesus to come back. I, I think the church has to be responsible for dealing with the issues in society, speaking to those issues, being the conscious of the state, but also warning people that their actions have implications in eternity. Mm-hmm. That everything that we do, whether good or evil, is going to come into judgment. And so when you think of things along those lines, it's not a political party that's going to ascend and create a utopia like some Christian uh, evangelical Christians may believe, right? Mm-hmm. I think it has to do with an issue of speaking truth to power about right and wrong. So I'm going to challenge some people, right, who may not be from whatever cultural context, but ask yourself this question. Why is it that the church is so interested in talking about abortion? Mm-hmm. They're interested in talking about the LGBT community or, or even gay or even gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, talk, they're interested in talking about immigration. Those are considered political issues. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to black lives, mass incarceration, racism, lynching, Jim Crow, now we don't want to talk about it in church. Mm. So why are those issues more important than the life of black people? Mm. Right? right? Why is it that when you raise those questions, those are not considered question, uh, 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 political questions, but moral imperatives. But racism and making sure racism is eliminated is not considered a moral imperative. I think that's the problem. And mm-hmm. so when you take sides on a political aisle, then you won't speak to certain things that your own party may be doing. Mm-hmm. That's why we have to make sure that we don't pick a side so that if people on the left are doing things to children or saying things to uh, what children should learn. Look, I have no problem with that. I'm a parent. I don't think any child should be sexualized at school. Mm -hmm. They just shouldn't. I just don't think when I was growing up, whoever was growing up at four years old, nobody, no child should have to figure out how to address people with issues of pronouns, no child should be able to say this is their sexual identity at four years old. My dog just got in heat like two months ago, 
we all know biologically that dogs or animals have a particular time where they become sexualized, right? We should not be able to do this with children. Mm-hmm. So, so as the church, speak it out and say, look, if you're consenting an, if you're a consenting adult, then go ahead and make your own decision about what you want to do. Right. But leave the children out of it. Don't tell me that they're going to be harmed. Otherwise, there's a whole, there are millions of people, billions of people who are not harmed by talking about this right now. When they start hitting puberty, when they start having all these thoughts and questions or whatever, and maybe after they've settled a bit, then go through that process with them after they become adults. When they become adults, they can talk with it. But let's not deal with a four, five, six-year-old who's coming up to me trying to, trying to say what their sexual identity is. That's wrong. So call that all on the left. Call it all on the right. It, it, that's why the church needs to, 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 to stay neutral. Not neutral when it comes to issues. Call out those issues. But don't take a political party. Otherwise, you're going to now have to uh, tie yourself in with everything they believe. Yes. Yes, I, I agree with that. I think the take home message that, you know, that I got today is call it out. Right is right and wrong is wrong. And especially as, you know, those who identify with being Christian, you know, I feel like the Bible tells us that that's okay to do. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as the podcast uh, implies, let's talk about it. Yes. If we talk about it, there ain't going to be no issue. We can't be silent in times like this. That's right. And, and I think it's important to, at least for me, because, you know, with this platform, I wanted to be able to talk about these hard, you know, topics, if you want to talk, but in a space where it's safe, where people can agree to disagree, but you're having an open enough mind that at least we can be respectful while I hear your argument, that at mm-hmm. least you can at least say, oh, okay, well, I never thought about it that way. I don't still agree with you and I'm not going to change anything in my life, but I can, I can respect that. Yeah. You know, so I just want to say thank you again for coming on. It is always good to talk with you, Pastor. It's always good to 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 rock it with you, to talk, to chill, to vibe. It's been cool. Yes, I've I've really enjoyed this, and I, and I believe that the listeners are going to enjoy it and be blessed as well. Tell the listeners again for the ones who made it, you know, listen to part one, or for somebody who's coming in new just listening to part two. How can they stay connected with you? I want them to know about your podcast, all your social media hashtags. Give it to the people. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much again. Um, if you want to keep in touch with uh, the podcast called The Unpreached Truth About God and Money, it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, it's there. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at The Unpreached Truth. Um, no dashes, no spaces, no underscores. Um, also you can type in, uh, Nikolai X Graves, that's N-I-K-O-L-A-I, X as in Malcolm X, G-R-E-A-V-E-S. Also on Facebook as well. We try to drop knowledge, um, as much as possible. I will like to say to those who are listening to the podcast thing, uh, I did take a short vacation. It's good to have a a break. Mm -hmm. We're going to get right back into the thick of things as we, we kind of turn the corner in the year and, um, stay tuned. There are some. Uh, a book is coming out. Woohoo! So stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. You're the first one, Vicky, to to know about that. But yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make we're gonna make some changes up in here. So, um, so again, the unpreached truth, Pastor Nikolai X Graves, um, and also I'm gonna shout out my wife because the two are one. 
uh, yes! Health for the Healthcare Professional. Mm-hmm. Health for the Healthcare Professional. Um, you want to be able to follow that on Instagram as well. Her mm-hmm. podcast is epic. If you're a healthcare worker and you are dealing with all sorts of stress and stuff and you want to figure out how to get your life together, um, need to listen to it. If you're a doctor, anesthesiologist, physical therapist, ah. respiratory therapist, nurse, nurse, whatever. anything. Yes. You know, if administrator, this mm. is for you. It is. It is. Yes, y'all check both of them out. Please support, support, support. They will have good nuggets for you. You will not be disappointed. We want y'all to keep this conversation going. We want you to share with everybody. So you know that includes your mama, your daddy, your brother, your sister, your friend, your cousin, and your friend of me. I am your girl, Vicky J. Thanks for tuning in, and I will talk about it next time with y'all. Bye.